0: This is On the Media. I'm Bob Garfield. And I'm Brooke Gladstone. After his success forecasting President Obama's win in 2008, Nate Silver's numbers-based approach to prognostication put the pundits to shame. Just kidding. They have no shame. But even the amazing Nate was confounded by Donald Trump. Nate Silver is the founder and editor of the data news site 538.com. When he was last on the show in December, he calculated that Trump had a 5% chance of the nomination.
1: There's not a lot of precedent for something like Donald Trump. And so if you're going to say back in the summer when we said we think this is a low likelihood event, if you're going to say that and that happens... At least it should be an event that kind of changes everything you know and believe about how the Republican Party works. You're having a guy who has openly denounced the past three Republican nominees, Bush, McCain, and Romney. And in fact, now Romney openly denounced Donald Trump. I mean, this is something pretty amazing. And I don't know, I guess I don't feel that bad about having been initially skeptical.
0: Okay, I hear you, but I want to know about what you do feel bad about. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, the thing is, is you've got numbers, you're used to reading them a certain way. So is there somewhere where you went wrong or not? You read numbers for a living.
1: I do, and those numbers still suggest that it's very unusual for a candidate to win the nomination with as much opposition from within his own party as Donald Trump. I mean, there are a couple of issues here. One is extrapolating from history and realizing that we don't have that many examples. And that maybe a lot of things that were true from the period from, say, 1980 through 2012. Well, that sounds like a lot, but it's also still just one election every four years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we said, well, Donald Trump is someone who's going to be vigorously opposed by Republican party elites. So they'll find some way to stop him. Well, maybe not. You mentioned historical precedent.
0: How many elections are we really talking about to base these predictions on?
1: Well, since 1972, which is when you had the McGovern reforms and you started to have people actually vote in primaries before it sort of literally was smoke-filled rooms. It's depending on how you count, somewhere on the order of 10, 12, 15... To say something hasn't happened in 12 tries is much different than when we also make sports predictions and we can say, well, this hasn't happened in a thousand games. Then you're more existentially certain that something is really unlikely than you can be in the nomination process or for that matter, the general election too, where there have been, I think, 16 or 17 now elections since World War II in the polling era. That's not a huge sample size either.
0: One thing that historians have noted is that there are political realignments every 40 years or so. This is when the parties kind of break apart and reassemble somehow. Describe what happened and whether you think we're in one of those right now.
1: You had the New Deal Coalition in 1932 or so where you had overwhelming majorities of voters were voting Democrat both for FDR and for Congress. That was very sudden and very dramatic. The more recent transition was a little slower. It certainly started at about 1968 with Nixon's Southern strategy. You could argue it didn't fully culminate until 1994, when Republicans won back a lot of seats in Congress in the South. I mean, people forget that it was a Democratic South, right? And the governor of Alabama was sure going to be a Democrat he might have been George Wallace or someone who would not have very much in common with a Democrat in New York City, but certainly a capital D Democrat still. And that took some time to unravel. I'm not sure whether the GOP is going through a transition suddenly or if it'll take a couple cycles, but I am just saying that as someone who was skeptical, a lot of people were, but we were certainly skeptical about Donald Trump's ability to do what he's doing because the consequences would be so large for the GOP. Now that it's happening or on the verge of happening, we still think the consequences are really enormous. And it's a little bit like looking up and seeing that the sky is no longer blue but orange.
0: What would a realignment mean for you as a super forecaster?
1: We have to be more careful about assumptions that we make. For example, the assumption that the states tend to stay about the same from one election to the next... So
0: during a realignment, states could turn from red to blue and vice versa?
1: Potentially. I mean, this is kind of maybe why early prognostications of Trump's doom were wrong, in a sense, is that in some ways, the stability you've had in the electoral system for the past few decades is unusual. American elections are very tumultuous things. It's not as calm as the kind of post-World War II through, say, 2000 period where um, partisanship was relatively low.
0: The predictive role of endorsements, is there one?
1: Historically, endorsements have been good predictors of where the votes will eventually move. They've been leading indicators. This is not newspaper endorsements we're talking about. This is endorsements by party bigwigs. So senators, governors, representatives. Donald Trump, until recently, had no endorsements from any Republican member of Congress, any Republican governor. That's changed with Chris Christie and a few others recently. You know, the one... Slight counterargument to that is that before recently, no one had very many endorsements from party elders. There has been now a big jump for Marco Rubio, but that came pretty late in the process.
0: Let's talk about another predictor:
1: Google searches.
0: That is a way to test whether the media are actually following the interest of the public, or getting ahead of it, or lagging behind. What have you learned?
1: Google searches can kind of serve as an early exit poll. So when John Kasich beat his pre-election polls in New Hampshire, there had been, at the kind of literal last minute, a big spike in Google searches for John Kasich. People were saying, you know what, I haven't made my mind up. I'm going to look up more information on this Kasich guy, who I haven't heard all that much about. And We saw that also in Iowa, where both Rubio and Cruz did better than their polls. There was a late spike in Google searches for them. And that seems to give you an insight into how voters are actually looking up information that literally whats what it is.
0: Basically, as we're trying to stare down prognostication this week, we find that there is no surefire way to make a prediction. Even a 5% likelihood of something is still a likelihood, and people have to understand that. You know, last week you joked on Twitter that, quote, with the exception of the 2016 election, will be a common phrase in Ph.D. dissertations in 2044.
1: We're pretty good at placing events into context after we have some window of perspective. Somehow or another, by 2044, the 2016 election will fit into the narrative that we tell about how elections work. Maybe it's the story that when a party doesn't take steps to stop a black swan... Crazy things can happen, so never say never, which is a good lesson, by the way. Or we might say that this was the beginning of the end of the Reagan-slash-Bush-era Republican party. There had been some signs of this before with the Tea Party, but this was the year when it became clear that we were in the midst of a realignment. I do want people to understand how how amazing it is as someone who covers elections. There are a lot of false alarms. There are a lot of elections where prognosticators cry wolf and say something new and different has happened when it wasn't. But this one, we almost feel like instead of wanting to calm everyone down and saying, no, you probably won't have a contested convention, no, you probably won't have a third-party candidate running, we have a different role this year. We want to be able to point out, like, this kind of breaks so many rules that we have to now consider what rules that we previously held to be true might also be wrong.
0: Nate, thank you so much.
1: Uh, thank you. I <laughs>
0: weren't sure about that, were you?
1: No,
0: I totally am sure. <laughs> Nate Silver is the founder and editor of the data news site 538.com. He's also author of The Signal and the Noise, Why So Many Predictions Fail, But Some Don't. And Five Thirty Eight is our collaborator during this election season.